Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about the NFL, college basketball, college football, and of course, your signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 110. As you heard from the intro, we are switching up the order of topics today and starting with the NFL and then going to basketball and then college football, of course. There's a couple reasons for that, but something I want to touch on as we're going to the NFL is that there was another score-gami this week. The the Ravens and the Browns game, 47-42, has not been a scored NFL score up until this week. I think that's amazing, and you can you know thank the safety at the end of the game there for before this happening. I love Scorigamis. 10 out of 10. Love them. Yeah, it's... I mean, the Scorigami is super unique, obviously, but would this Scorigami have happened without that um, hook and lateral safety at the end of the game, Wyatt? No, that actually would have been, like, one of the most common scores out there. Um, what, what would that have been? 47 to 41... 45 to 42, right? So math's hard. Yeah. So, so this that scoregami probably shouldn't have been, actually. But no, no, it should not have. But it was. It was. So, and as I just mentioned, there was actually a uh, safety that actually finished out the game uh, to end the game. Um, but this game was absolutely bonkers in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson gets hurt or actually cramps up probably because of the COVID uh, or his COVID exposure and time that he had uh, the virus. Um, he gets cramps in the fourth quarter, has to leave the game. Trace McSorley comes in. He also gets hurt in the game and is – and right at that time, it's the two-minute warning. Lamar Jackson runs back out of the locker room, Paul Pierce-esque, uh, and proceeds to throw a touchdown on fourth and five, which was absolutely crazy. This game was back and forth. The Browns had an absolutely fantastic drive against a very depleted Ravens defense in order to tie the game up. But when you have the literally the most accurate field goal kicker in ball in NFL history <clears throat> Mike I bet you wish you had that uh you when you have that doing? when you have that on your team it doesn't take much for you to go down the field and end up winning the game uh the Ravens were able to pull this game out on a last second Justin Tucker actually not last second uh but a game winning Justin Tucker field goal because they were kicked off and then the Browns had one more chance uh, on a hook and ladder, but that obviously didn't work, and we got a scoregami. It was a crazy game. If you didn't see the end of that game, maybe go back and watch the highlights. For a less crazy game, on Thursday Night Football, the Rams absolutely destroyed uh, the Patriots. That game wasn't close at all. The Rams maintained their hold on the uh, number one seed in the NFC West right now. Um, and the Patriots are starting to really, it's going to, it's looking bleak for them to actually make the playoffs this, uh, in the one o'clock 
window on Sunday, the Chiefs toyed with the Dolphins. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions, which is the first time that he has done such a thing in his NFL career to this day. Uh, but the Chiefs still end up winning that game. Um, it became close at the end. Tua looked great. Uh, I think he's going to be a very, very good quarterback in the future, especially for that Miami Dolphins team. They seem to really know how to use him. And he was doing it uh, with backups and practice squad receivers as most of their first string uh, specialty uh, players are or specialists are out injured right now. The Titans continue to roll behind Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had another 200-yard rushing day. He runs well on the road, um, and it's a great formula when you've got a great offensive line and a running back such as Derrick Henry. They have that – or they maintain their lead in that division. Uh, the Cardinals stay in the hunt. They actually move into playoff seeding as the seventh seed – in the NFC as they beat the G-Men, uh, and it wasn't close all game as Kyler Murray and that as well as the defense really stepped up and the Giants looked silly in Daniel Jones's return from injury. <clears throat> as I wrote on the spreadsheet, man, LOL, Dan Bailey, what else can you say? Uh, yeah. We talk about, we talk about, we go from probably the best kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker. And the Vikings seem to take kickers and absolutely destroy their careers. Like, what happens in Minnesota? Why can't they kick? Why do the Vikings suck at getting kickers? I have no idea. Like, Dan Bailey was one of the top 10 most accurate kickers, probably still is, one of the top 10 most accurate kickers in the NFL. But this week, he missed an extra point and three field goals, and that was after missing two extra points and a field goal last week against the Jaguars as well. Now those 10 points that he missed this week are not the only thing that cost the Vikings the game. Um, They weren't able to stop Tom Brady in crunch time when it mattered. And the offensive line was not able to protect Kirk Cousins, which turned some drives that maybe could have ended in touchdowns or shorter field goals and turned them into um, long field goals. Um, so that certainly was not helpful, but yeah, I don't know why the Vikings ruin kickers because every kicker the Vikings seems to touch seems to have this disaster. Dan Bailey, probably from what I'm hearing is still the kicker next week. Um, because the Vikings cut all the practice squad kickers earlier today. So obviously they didn't like any of his replacements. Um, but I don't get how a kicker that how kicking just fall off a cliff like that. He needs, he needs to get it figured out. Otherwise the Vikings slim playoff chances that still exist um, after this game here um, need uh, are going to dwindle to nothing. According to 538, the Vikings still have a 20% chance to make the playoffs and um, they're going to need to, you know, like uh, win some games, especially next Sunday in Chicago if they're going to have a chance at making the playoffs. So that's basically an elimination game. The loser of that game between the Bears and the Vikings is out. The winner still has a decent chance. So, yeah, you lose to the Bucs, couldn't stop Tom Brady, can't kick. It's a disaster. It's always a disaster. Vikings special teams a disaster. Well, speaking of disasters, the Raiders are now staring one down in the face as they get absolutely run over by Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts. 
the Colts stay alive in the hunt to win that division, um, but the Raiders have now fallen out of playoff contention um, in the AFC. They still have a chance, obviously, to make the playoffs as they are sitting um, overall at seven and six, one game behind the Ravens. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It uh, it's gonna be tough for those Raiders to actually make the playoffs. The Packers take over the number one seed as they beat the Lions and the subsequent stunning loss that the Saints suffered to hurt the hurt Eagles. The little bit of play on words there because Jalen Hurts had his first game with Philadelphia and the Eagles were absolutely decimated on defense, but somehow managed to end up winning that game. Although the Eagles tried to make it close, Jalen Hurts fumbles uh, as they are trying to run out, run off the clock while the Saints still have timeouts. Uh, the Saints then proceed to score a touchdown to be down by three, and they were inches away from recovering the watermelon kick onside kick. Uh, but the Eagles hold on. They win that game, and Jalen Hurts looked pretty good in his NFL debut, or a first start, I should say, um, because he just really didn't hurt the Eagles, and he did a lot of things right for them. Uh, Washington is now in sole position, possession of the NFL, first in the NFC least and the Buffalo Bills best the reeling Steelers on Sunday night football and thanks to that loss since uh in conference record the Chiefs now own the number one seed over the uh, Steelers because they have the better head to, uh record uh, or common opponent record over the Buffalo uh, so it'll be interesting to watch these playoff races as they unfold. Currently, the playoff picture for the AFC Chiefs have the number one seed. Steelers are in the Bills three, Titans four, Browns five, Colts six, and Dolphins are seven, with the Ravens and Raiders still having a shot at the uh, playoffs. In the NFC, the Packers have the one seed, two, Rams three, uh, the football team four, Seahawks five, Bucks six, Cardinals seven, uh, with Vikings. Bears having outside shots uh, playoffs as the NFL continues to unfold. Obviously we'll keep you apprised of everything NFL football. And now we move to the hardwood as we are doing everything in reverse order this week. And man, it was, it was a tough Seahawks game, but you know, yeah. there we kind of expected this. Um, Luca Geyser is good. Well, okay, we'll get into that. But what I do want to talk about first is while Luca Garza is good, Iowa State hung in this game thanks to Luca Garza not being able to play because he was in foul trouble. Yeah, that Iowa is State, a flaw. Iowa State held in, held, was in, in this game all the way through the end of the first half, honestly. Uh, it did get a little bit dicey at the end of the first half, but they did have a lead uh, at one point. In uh, I have game notes that I took as I was watching this. Um, after the second half, I kind of stopped taking some notes because it just got real. So here it goes. It started out horribly for the Cyclones. Uh, six toner turnovers before uh, or before halfway through the first half. Not great when you're playing the number three team. Cyclones run with with Condit and Foster at the same time, as well as Foster and Young for a stretch. This stretch actually worked out pretty well for the Cyclones. They made a good run, 
the two bigs seemed to work and Foster nailed a great three in that stretch as well. As I mentioned before, Garza had two fouls before 10 minutes, which really helped the Cyclones. The Cyclones did have a 17-2 run since Garza's second foul, which got them back into the game. They did lead 32-29 to at the under eight. But since then, uh, they went on a uh, – Iowa went on a 12-0 scoring run um, under four to really go into halftime at 51-42. to nine, Or 52-41, to sorry, an 11-point. Uh, start of the second half, Iowa had a 9-0 run and much over. Uh, Garza did have his third foul before the under. He stayed out for a little bit, but uh, Garza, <clears throat> holy, yeah. He scored 21 straight in the game. Like, he scored 21 straight points. Iowa didn't have any other scorers besides him. Ended up with 34, and the Cyclones fell apart after the under-12 timeout. This team can't play offense against zone D. I don't know why Steve Prohm's teams only run good half-court offense against man-to-man. When teams play zone, it, we just cannot score, and it's because there is not enough ball movement. There's too many people m- taking too many dribbles, and it is just absolutely insane. It It's ridiculous. I, I don't understand. Iowa State looks really good when they can get out and run. Tyler Harris and Razier Bolton, both leading fast breaks, are they are probably as fast as or they look as fast as Tyree Kill running down a field. They're probably not, but they're quick. So in the end, it wasn't much of a game on paper. The first half was a little bit of a different story, but Iowa ends up winning 105 to 77. And they have scored, I think, more than 95 points in every single game to start the season. So they have a legitimate offense there in Iowa City. Yeah, Luca Garza is certainly living up to his uh, preseason national player of the year selection there. Well, they so they even said if he maintains a 19.5 point per game average, uh, he's going to set the all-time scoring record at Iowa. Right now, he's averaging darn near 30, if not more, points per game. He's on pace to shatter that record. I don't know if he'll be able to maintain that pace in Big Ten play this year because the Big Ten is going to be a very good top-to-bottom basketball conference. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. The Big Ten has seven teams currently in the AP Top 25. So, yeah, the Big Ten has some uh, really good top of the – top of the uh, conference depth so next up for Iowa State is a date with Kansas State at home this is actually being played Tuesday night uh, December 15th Uh, so we will recap that game next week when we bring this episode to you and then they play at West Virginia uh, and West Virginia currently is ranked eighth in the country so but but K-State is tough sledding Worst power five team in the nation. So. They lost to Fort Hayes State in Kansas, which a lot. Two. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying that there are better high school programs in Kansas than Fort Hayes State. So take that as it is. K State's not great, but Iowa State isn't much better. So no, but it's still a game you got to win. Right. Got to win that game. Moving right along into our uh, Cyclone. 
slash college football segment. As we all know, Iowa State didn't have a game as they were on a bye week before they play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game this weekend. There are still certainly some things to talk about. First of all, um, Oklahoma ended up also getting a bye. Their game against West Virginia was postponed due to uh, COVID issues with West Virginia. So Oklahoma also ended up with a bye going into this game. So Iowa State did lose that mini advantage that they have. Um, We'll get into more details with that game shortly. But first, we want to fill you in on the Cyclones um, ranking. So in the AP poll, the Cyclones moved up from number 10 to number 8. Um, so a two-spot jump in the AP poll on the bye week. And in the college football playoff rankings, Iowa State moved up from number seven to number six because Florida lost um, to LSU in what was an inc- – it was a really good game. And Florida- well, But they lost because of a shoe throw. Yeah. Like- so <laughs> – Florida had LSU stopped in a tie game, right? It would have been fourth down and LSU late in the game and LSU would have had to punt. But the Florida player took the LSU receiver's shoe off and then um, threw it 20 yards down the field, generating a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty, automatic first down. LSU manages to go kick the game-winning field goal to win that game. So because of that loss, Florida dropped in the rankings. Um and Iowa State, or down to seven, and Iowa State moved up to six in the flip-flop with Florida. Um, I mean, frankly, what it does is it gives Iowa State a legitimate path to the playoff at this point, right? I mean, obviously, Iowa State has to beat OU, but if Iowa State beats OU and then either Ohio State or Clemson lose, I think Iowa State might be in the playoff. What, what about you guys? Do you guys think that is enough, an Iowa State win and a Clemson or Ohio State loss? Do you think that's enough to get Iowa State into the playoff? I, I think it is, 100%. And going back to Florida only dropping one spot, I feel like that's that, – that's, I, I think that's ridiculous, personally. Like, that was such a close game that they lost by such a stupid error. How can you only fall one spot? I mean, if you look at the team's – Obviously, the selection committee is uh, doesn't like um, non-Power 5 teams because otherwise Cincinnati would be a lot higher. But, I mean, the other teams right around them are two-loss Georgia and two-loss Oklahoma, right? Those and are, again, Georgia, Georgia got absolutely blasted by Florida, too. Yeah. yeah. So you can't put Georgia ahead of them. And Oklahoma lost to K-State, which is just as bad of a loss as Florida is to LSU. So unless you're going to put Cincinnati ahead of them, which a lot of people will say you should, but the yeah. selection committee obviously doesn't like um, non-Power 5 teams. So how low are you going to drop them, right? You can't realistically put them behind Georgia or Oklahoma. So That just kind of, kind of goes to show you how weird this entire top 10, you know, if you just look at the top 10, how weird these rankings are this year in a good way, I think. But Yep. I mean, yeah, the fact that Iowa State has legit shot for the playoffs – I like if you told me to make an argument that Iowa State should be in the playoff, I probably couldn't give you one that would convince you. But lucky for Iowa State, I'm not the one that needs to uh, be convinced, right? They need to convince the selection committee. If you go out and dominate Oklahoma on Saturday, you have a legit shot at the college football playoff. And I might cry if Iowa State makes the college football playoff. Do you think it matters how – 
how bad Oklahoma loses to Iowa State, uh, you know, affecting our ranking? Do you think if we just squeak by, you know, by one or two points, is that going to be, is it going to make a big difference if we, you know, put up more than a score or two on them? I, yes, I think it absolutely matters. I think the reason you've seen Iowa State climb as high as you have is part of how dominant they have been um, in these last three, in these last few games, right? Like you abs- absolutely clobbering West Virginia and K-State um, like they did um, makes a huge difference in the eyes of the committee. So being able to do that to Oklahoma would make a huge difference. It might be the thing that makes us, that puts us over Texas A&M. Texas A&M at five, um, even if you win, right? Do you hop Texas A&M with a win is the first question. Is just winning enough to hop Texas A&M? And then do you take, do you take two loss Iowa State over two loss Clemson if Clemson loses to Notre Dame? Or do you take two loss Iowa State over one loss Ohio State if Ohio State loses to Northwestern? Well, like, looking just at that jump over Texas A&M, I mean, not only do you have the team and the record, but you also have their conference, right? They're going to have a little bit of SEC bias, in my opinion, as a Big 12 fan. The, the, the committee is going to have some SEC bias towards Texas A&M. Um, I, I don't know what to think about that. I, I don't know. It's – I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, it's I – mean, I mean, frankly – it's yeah. The fact that we've been at this point is amazing. And um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, but if you do look at quality record for Texas A&M, they only have one top 25 win and it's Florida. Um, they got smoked by Alabama. Wasn't close. Um, so this is a team, right? Iowa state definitely has the better victories than Texas A&M, especially if you beat Oklahoma again. And uh, the question like in is, recent in one recent loss history, versus two losses in recent history, the, the committee favors champions like conference. They favor conference champions, but also a two loss team has never made the playoff. Right. Yes. Right. Should a five win team be in the playoffs? I don't know. That hasn't happened I either. Think, I think if Ohio state loses to Northwestern, the question the committee is going to be asking is not, Iowa State or Ohio State, it's going to be Iowa State or Texas A&M, presuming yeah. Iowa State. Will. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think because Texas A&M still absolutely has a path in if oh, yeah. if Iowa State loses. So if Iowa State and somebody else lose, so. I would agree with that. Also to keep an eye on is, um, does Florida, if Florida beats Alabama, does Florida climb back above Iowa State? Just another thing to think mm. about, right? Two loss Florida, two loss Ohio State with that marquee win against Alabama, something to think about. So I think that would be the worst possible outcome for Iowa State fans because I think yeah. at that point, I, um, Florida might jump Iowa State. I mean, they would have to, right? Well, with Not necessarily. I mean, if you look at Florida's um, schedule, they've played, um, they have exactly one top 25 win, and it's Georgia and two losses one of them, which is worse than Iowa State's loss or two losses. So the only way I can see that happening is if somebody ahead of Iowa State, so Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, somehow drop behind Florida. That's the only way I could see them moving up. Not, not move. Well, what am I trying to say here? Um, I feel like they would jump Iowa State regardless, unless something like that happened. If, if they beat Alabama, 
and they don't move Florida up a spot, which, you know, then moving up a spot would move Iowa State down. It'd have to, right? Yeah. And if they don't do that, they're saying that Alabama, that, that, that's going to go against the narrative of the, the college football playoff committee, in, in my opinion. If they don't move somebody, they're saying Alabama is not, not a good enough win. I, I don't know what to even think about that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, here is the bottom line for Iowa State fans. Here's what you're rooting for. Um, you're rooting for Alabama over Florida. Obviously, Iowa State to win. None of this matters. None of this matters. Win your game first. Yes. But then other things you're looking for is Alabama over Florida, Northwestern over Ohio State. Um, I would like to, you'd like to see Louisiana over Coastal Carolina, just because that makes Iowa State's loss to Louisiana look that much better. But that one's probably not super important. Um, You'd like to see Tulsa over Cincinnati, just because that knocks Cincinnati off the ranks of the unbeaten and then they can stop whining. Um, And then you would like to see, then the Clemson Notre Dame game is the big one. Um, You want to see either Notre Dame beat Clemson or Clemson absolutely smack Notre Dame upside the head. I honestly think the better of the two would be for Notre Dame to beat Clemson. Agreed. Absolutely Mm -hmm. agree. But I'm thinking if that game's like 45 to nothing or something, which I don't, man, I don't see that happening more than I see Notre Dame beating Clemson a second time. Right. But if, if it does, I'm just saying, right. Then you've got Notre Dame. Who's um, only good win is against Clemson when Clemson was without their Heisman winning quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I agree. It's better if Clemson loses, but um, I'm saying if Notre Dame gets smacked, you also have a chance. But you're rooting for Notre Dame over Clemson as well. So there you go. You you want Alab- Oh, and also you want you're rooting for Tennessee over Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a makeup game against Tennessee. We could remove all doubt about Texas A&M if they just lost to Tennessee. So I think I think we should send Tennessee a little gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Those are what to look for if you're an Iowa State fan. Um, Now, previewing that Big 12 championship game itself a little bit, um, Iowa State opened as six-and-a-half-point underdogs against Oklahoma State. That line has fallen to five-and-a-half, so Iowa State is five-and-a-half-point underdogs right now. Um, FPI gives Iowa State a 33% chance to win this football game. Um, Keys to the game, Kyle Gout. Uh, the keys to the game are uh, oh, pretty much repeat what you did the first time, or at least try to make Spencer Rattler uncomfortable. I don't think we're going to see o- OU sit Rattler down again because Rattler has improved significantly. But if you are able to stop, able to limit OU's run, which limits their play action pass, OU is the most dangerous in play action, I would say. Uh, it's they they play so well off of play action pass when you look back to Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's just a plug and play in their quarterback system, really, is what it is. So if you limit the run, make Spencer Rattler hopefully try and make some bad, some errant throws, some bad plays. You you could be looking at a very winnable game, and then. Another thing is limit turnovers, limit penalties. I mean, we can keep beating on this dead horse all 
day long until we are blue in the face, but limit turnovers and limit penalties, especially penalties that we've talked about before. Uh, We can't do what we did against West Virginia, where we get three penalties, three holding penalties, or however many penalties it was in the red zone. That just can't happen, right? You have to, you have to limit those dumb plays because we're not going to get three touchdowns in a row against Oklahoma on the same drive, right? Mm-hmm. Limit those, limit those mistakes, limit those errors, play a clean game. You put yourself in a really, really good position to win this football game. Yep. My keys to the game. Um, you touched on one of them is happy feet. Um, make Spencer Atler move his feet, right? Watching those highlights of the first matchup between Iowa state and, and Oklahoma this year, um, Granted, yes, Rattler has improved a lot, but his accuracy when moving, when under pressure, was not good at all. His accuracy was really bad when under pressure. So even if you don't actually get home and get sacks, make sure you get Rattler's feet moving. That's that's the key on defense. And then on offense, it's going to be the same thing it always has been. Brees Hall and the tight ends. Right, find the tight ends, find Charlie Kohler, find Chase Allen in the passing game. Kohler had a big game against Oklahoma the first time around. Um, let me find those stats. Yeah, um, so the tight ends last time against uh, Oklahoma, Kohler had 66 yards, Allen had 48 yards. So again, over 100 yards receiving for the tight ends um, in that game as well. So that's going to be the key. Brees Hall on the ground, the tight ends through the air, and um, and happy feet. Get Spencer Atler moving. Do those things, and you have a good chance to win this football game. I think another thing that is going to be key for this game, and it's not necessarily what is a production on the field, is don't get caught up in the moment. This is your first game, first ever Big 12 championship game. Get there, soak it in in warm-ups, but when kick by the time kickoff happens, we cannot have a slow start against OU. If we get down by 21 or something like that in the first half, it's going to be tough to come back. Yes, we did it last year on the road against Oklahoma. We came back and made that close, but don't don't get caught up in the moment. Act like you've been here before. Act like Continue that five-star players versus five-star culture motto that Brees Hall so eloquently eloquently quoted uh, before. And just don't get caught up in the moment. Act like you've been there. Yep. Wyatt, you got any other keys to the game you want to uh, bring to our attention? The only other thing I'd like to touch on, uh, kind of building off of what Kyle just said about, you know, soaking up the moment during, during practice, but actually playing the game when it comes to play is when you do make a mistake, don't revel in it. Like, don't trip yourself up, right? I see this a lot on the road when we start playing. We make one silly mistake, not a big deal, which then compounds into another silly mistake, into another mistake, into another egregious mistake. And we have to stop doing that. We've been really good about that this year, about not getting into our own heads, I think. But especially on the offensive side, just if you make a mistake, own it, fix it, don't do it again. Yep. And um, just a heads up, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the college football playoff rankings, but next week um, the rankings will come out on Sunday as opposed to the regular Tuesday. So selection Sunday, baby. If Iowa state wins, look for 11 o'clock 
on Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Central Time, Sunday morning, right before the NFL games kick off. That will be your um, that will be your time to hope and hope that uh, Iowa State finds their way into the playoff. So keep an eye out for that, and we'll see. That's all you can say at this point. They, that's why we play the games, because who knows what's going to happen. So in this week's edition of Mike's Stupid Rules, we are going to the NFL again. We're going to talk about a play that happened um, last Tuesday. Um, this is with Alex Smith. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, this happened in the uh, Washington-Pittsburgh game that was played last Tuesday. With time running down in the first half, Alex Smith took a sack that made it fourth down. Um, Washington, uh, yeah, Washington had no timeouts, so the clock was still running down there. Um, and basically what happened is then Alex Smith took the football off the field with him. Um, and so then what happened is the officials stopped the clock because they didn't have a ball. Um, they said it was an administrative issue, which the issue was they didn't have a ball. Um, they stopped the clock, which allowed Washington to get their kicking team out there. And they were able to end up kicking that field goal at the end of the half. Now, the controversy here is that the clock. Uh, so normally for, for kicks, right, they have a special ball just for kicks. So normally for extra points and field goals, et cetera, um, a special ball will be brought out. But usually you have plenty of time to do that, right? Usually you're not rushing to get the kicking crew out there, et cetera, et cetera. But between the fact that they were rushing the crew out there and because there are less personnel on the sidelines because of COVID, um, the right people weren't in the right spots with the right football um, also made a difference. Um, the ball just wasn't there for them. So, um, right, so they stopped the clock to get the ball. Um, so basically the NFL came out and said afterwards that, yeah, the clock shouldn't have stopped there um, because the team that benefited from the clock stopping is the one that did the, uh, did the thing they weren't supposed to do that stopped the clock. Now you could have definitely um, based on my interpretation of the rules actually called a delay of game on Alex Smith there, which would have resulted in a 10 second runoff um, and the end of the half. Cause the rules state, if you look in the NFL rule book, rule four section six article five um part f so that's about delay of game and that um intentional contact with the football to delay the snap or the official's ability to make the ball ready for play so obviously carrying the ball off the court see uh, off the field excuse me seems like intentional con it is intentional contact with the football he's still holding the football and it delayed the official's ability to set the ball Right. So by that rule, you should have um, you should have called delay of game on Alex Smith and the clock should have ran out and he should not have been able to kick that. I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, oh, they can't stop the clock there, blah, 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 but not a rule. Why? And that's why he should be called for delay of game there um, um, based on that rule. So there you go. Alex Smith, crafty veteran play to get away with it, but should not have been able to definitely was in violation. I want to know whether or not he thought, whether or not he knew what he was doing in the moment, right? He, like, said, he said he just wanted to get the ball off so they could get the kicking ball onto the field. Which I, I think is completely he, valid, right? I think that's an entirely valid line of reason. So 
So Pat McAfee addressed this on the Pat McAfee show. Huge fan of the show. Obviously, I still want to get him on our show because that would be absolutely historic. Uh, but he was talking about the fact that he believes that Alex Smith did it on purpose. And here's why. Because in those positions, you don't like to rush your kicker to get a field goal off. And in the time allotted, they barely would have had enough time to get a good kick off. They could have gotten a rushed kick off, but then you're also kicking with a regular game ball instead of a K ball, the, the kicking ball that uh, field goal kickers use, which is different as well. Obviously, those, those balls have been modified before the game, not modified, but uh, allocated for kicking before the game. And those kickers have been working with them uh, to get them, they have 30 minutes to work with them before the game. Pat McAfee brought up to get them into a position that is that is usable, that they are accept, wanting to kick with that ball. So he, Pat McAfee, fully believes that Alex Smith did that on purpose, and that's coming from a NFL punter, former NFL punter. I if mean, he sure. did, that's a heads up play. Yeah, I mean, for sure, you, you don't want to be rushed there. I totally agree. But whether or not that was intentional, uh, I'm not sure. And I don't think we'll ever know, right? He's not going to come out and say, oh, got him. Of course but, he won't. No, that'd be dumb to come out and say that. Yeah, of course. That'd be, uh, like, that'd be like Tom Brady coming out and saying, yeah, I actually did deflate those balls. <laughs> yeah, by the way. It wouldn't be quite that bad, but no, we will never find out for sure. Whether What we do know is that we have an accountability session this week in our write that down prediction segment and actually a pretty full write that down put uh, accountability session. Um, we'll go right into that. Kyle um, predicted way back at the beginning of the season that the Patriots don't win the AFC East. Um, that division hasn't yet been decided, but it has been decided that it will not be New England Patriots. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. Um, Kyle also predicted that the Chiefs would win the AFC West, plus he would send us a smiley emoji after it happened. Um, both of those things did happen this Sunday with the Chiefs in the division. So for that, he gets a ding, 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 ding. Again, Kyle predicted that Brock Purdy would lead the Big 12 in passing. Um, he is right now fourth in the Big 12 in passing, um, and he is 300 yards behind Spencer Atler, and he's not going to out past Spencer Atler by 300 yards. So for that, Kyle gets a nah, nah. What I didn't account for is Brees Hall having a fantastic season. So uh -huh. um, Kyle predicted that Buffalo, Indianapolis, Kansas City, and Baltimore would all be division champions. Baltimore has been eliminated from um, winning that division. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. nah. Um, Kyle also predicted that San Francisco, New Orleans, Philadelphia, and Minnesota would be division champions. Um, the, uh, the Packers have clinched the NFC North, so the Vikings won't be division champions. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. Nah, nah. Um, after Kyle made those predictions, I predicted that he would get both of those predictions wrong, which we just found out he did. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. Um, Wyatt predicted that he would make the fantasy football playoffs, which he did do. He did end up making the fantasy football playoffs. Um, did you get out of the first round of the fantasy football playoffs, Wyatt, or did you lose? Nope. He got trounced by yeah. Arian. Yeah. So 
But either way, his prediction is still correct. So for that, he gets a ding, 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 ding. Um, and White also predicted that it would be one more, at least one more Scorigami this year, which, as we talked about in our intro, there was. So for that, White gets a that is the end of our accountability session. Um, so Kyle, you want to start by getting some predictions back on the board. Yeah. So this week I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, this Iowa state men's team doesn't look too great. Uh, so I'm going to say that Iowa state will have less than five conference wins this season. So they will only amass at most four. So they will end conference play at, at, at most four and 14. Okay. Interesting. I, f- I feel like Kansas State, right? Yep. You should beat you should beat Kansas State twice. Bang bang. Um, but I don't know if they beat anybody else. Not at all. I mean, TCU is actually picked to finish l- lower than Iowa State this year. Iowa State uh, was picked to finish eighth. I don't know. But TCU's yeah. been winning some games. Yeah. So I'm basically, saying that they'll win no more than two games, uh, assuming they beat K State. If you use yeah, the Ken Palm, um, TCU is ranked 63rd and Iowa State is ranked 78th. Oof. I trust Ken Palm, so. Um, this is a single or a double. I'm not going to give it a single. I'll give it a double. I don't think there's a, any way it's a single. I'll give it a double. God, I'll give it a double. I, I would agree. You're not, not a single. You can't say that it's a single because, like, you can't say that they're going to win a fluke at home, like, yeah. twice. Uh, I would tend to agree. I think that makes it a double. All right, we'll give it a double. We'll give it a double. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, my prediction. um, So Major League Baseball um, is trying to figure out um, what type, how and what type of season they're going to have here. Um, One of the rule changes that was for 2020, of course, remember, is a universal DH in both leagues. Um, My, um, but that was only a one-year thing with the chance to extend for this year. My prediction is that there will not be a DH in the NHL this or the NF or the National League this year. Wow. There well, will... if there was no DH in the NHL, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't let that one go up on the no, board. Um, no DH in the NL this year. I hope you're right. I hate the designated hitter. I think it's crap. It's not real baseball. I don't like it. It's coming in 2022 anyway. But yeah, I, I don't I don't like that, and I don't want it for next year. So I hope you're right. I don't know what to give the prediction, but I don't know. Double. Double, triple, double. Double sounds Double, yeah. Double it is. Man, I hope you're right. So since I got two predictions right, which never happens, I'm going to hope this one becomes true as well and say that the Ohio State University will lose the Big Ten championship game. Um, Man, I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah, I hope you're right, but – who knows? What does FPI um, say? So I, Ohio State is 20-point favorites, and mm. FPI gives them a 91% chance. For <laughs> is, is that home run territory? Not a home run. I might say home run. Yeah, I'll give you a home run just because I also really want it to happen. So I, I really want it to happen, so I'd be yeah. fine giving you that if it yep. does happen. I will not I be upset. The Ohio. Anything from Josh this week? He's still alive. Yep, he's still alive, but uh, he could not come up with the prediction, so um, do not have a prediction for. We should start docking him points. I feel like when we first started this, we said that you had to make a prediction, like before the eighty-three eleven cast was even a thing. 
I thought we said you had had to to make at least one prediction every week. Yeah. You could always Uh, make more, but those were the original rules. I think we should start docking Josh points for not having a prediction. We can think about that. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Come back to our listeners next week. Yeah, I'm not saying we should do it now, but something to keep in mind. So with two doubles and a home run, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which concludes this episode, episode 110 of the if you like that new format of having the nfl first instead of college sports first drop us a line if you didn't like that format also drop us a line on our instagram at 8311cast or of course on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm.com until next time signing off for the 8311cast we had your hosts kyle mersh mike ludwig and wyatt teeter we'll talk to you again next week go cyclones go cyclones go cyclones B-O-U!